Welcome to The Weekend Booktopian, our podcast where a few booktopians get together to chat book news and the books that we are reading and enjoying. I'm Nick Wasilli of Booktopia's social media specialist and I'm all alone today here in the studio due to the current restrictions here in Sydney at the moment. However, I am joined over the airwaves by our head of campaigns and our resident murderbot enthusiast, Sam Joyce. Hello, Sam. Hi, Nick. One of the two key leaders of the Murderbot team at Booktopia. That's me. <laughs> um, our affiliate marketing manager, Arthur Malkin. Hi, Arthur. Hi, Nick. And making her debut to the weekend Booktopian, but I'm not sure. Have you been on the podcast before, ages ago? I'm not sure. Has it been? I, I can't, I'm not sure. But our PA, to, our PA to the CEO, Lara Somerville. Hello, Lara. Hello. No, this is my first time. Go easy on me. <laughs> you know, it's we not really our style, sure. Lara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it, it can be a cutthroat world, the world of the weekend booktopian, but we will uh, make sure that you are very welcome. So as with all episodes, we'll kick off by diving into the world of book news and then, of course, discussing the books that we have been reading and enjoying and then stick around to the very end when my guests go head to head in a battle for book supremacy that we like to call a book fight. So making news this week, in a weird kind of irony, first bit of news actually involves us. So Booktopia has actually been shortlisted for the 2021 Online Retail Industry Awards, or the Aureas. Sam, can you, can you give us a bit of background on exactly what this is? Yes, so Booktopia is nominated for the 2021 Aurea Awards. Uh, the Australia Post Aureas are the online retail industry awards that celebrates everything that's amazing and inspiring uh, in the online retail industry. So there's a bunch of different uh, awards like Pure Play Retailer, Pure Play meaning online only, multi-channel, marketing, all things that are fun and amazing and really inspiring about online retail, which of course, Booktopia being 100% online bookstore, we are so passionate about and we always love seeing the amazing work that our, our colleagues in the industry do and also celebrating our colleagues at Booktopia as well and the amazing work that they do. Uh, so we are shortlisted for Best uh, Pure Play Retailer. Uh, which is for online-only retailers who demonstrate best practice in merchandising, service, functionality, and customer experience. Uh, so, yeah, very, very exciting. We look forward to seeing who the winner will be when it's announced in Sydney on the 22nd of July, which is just under a month away. Yeah, it's interesting. I think as well we're down for the um, Technology Champion Award too. So I think there's another one as well, which is a bit – so the, the best – I think it's described the best overall multi-channel site design and integration from an aesthetic, usability and technology perspective with specific fo mm. focus on conversion optimization features and Im to improve shopability and path to purchase. So it's a very, very technical online uh, description of the award, that one sounds like. like <laughs> But, you know, the, the R&D team, we know the R&D team works so hard and there have been so many amazing um, features and functions that have been rolled out um, over the last year. So I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, Booktopia and our colleagues, you know, celebrated in these areas. It's just, I think it's great to even be a finalist considering, you know, the other, you know, who we're up against as well. So, yeah, mm. let's see. Yeah. It's also just good for the, the book industry as well. I think um, 
just mm. to have a book representative that made that made it into the not just just the general online industry capacity shortlist, yeah. which is really positive, um, which is great. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so as mentioned uh, by Sam, the winners will be announced uh, on July 22nd. So of course, uh, a lot of us in the office will now be keeping a, a very close watch on that. So the Online Retail Industry Awards, which we'll link to in the description box. Um, and our second big uh, bit of news for the week uh, involves uh, a more booksellers related uh, piece of news, which is the announcement of the ABA 2021 Booksellers Choice winners, which were announced at the end of last week. Lara, um, what can you tell us uh, about this Booksellers Choice Awards? So the ABA is actually the Australian Booksellers Association um, and they are an advocate for all Australian independent booksellers to promote their ability to do business their own unique way. Um, so they're a really important organisation that work with booksellers countrywide or nationwide um, to recognise the special role that books and bookselling plays in society. So um, from creating and building community to supporting the freedom of ideas and creativity, they even act as an avenue um, to open doors. Um, and they also work as an advocate for um, education and training. They provide market support and technical advice and they also will speak and represent on behalf of booksellers down in Canberra. So they're a really important association. Um, so the ABA Bookseller Awards were created by the ABA to recognise that unique role played by booksellers in Australian society. They recognise the distribution of education and learning, um, the distribution of ideas and the promotion of literature to communities all across the country. And it was actually Monday just gone on the 21st of June, so just earlier this week, that the Best Sellers Choice Awards winners were announced. Um, so the Best Seller Choice Awards recognise three Australian new release books um, that local booksellers have selected as their favourite from the sell-ins from the past year. And mm. the winners were the Adult Fiction Book of the Year was The Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Phillips. Sorry, Pip Williams. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> the adult nonfiction book of the year was Phosphorescence, written by Julia Baird. The children's book of the year was The Grandest Bookshop in the World, which is a gorgeous little book, written by Amelia Mellor. And the book sellers of the year. So the uh, bookseller of the year was Michael Eip. Sorry if I've pronounced that wrong, called The Little Book Room. And the young bookseller of the year was Genevieve Croyson with Where the Wild Things Are. Wow, yeah. So it's I love those books, those book winners. I think when we were at the the Arbias earlier this year, I know that that Pip Williams uh, cleaned up as well with the Dictionary of Lost Words, and of course Julia Baird won the main the main gong for phosphorescence. And I know for a fact that um, that Sarah cannot stop talking about the grandest bookshop in the world. Um, from the it way. is a beautiful little book. It really mm. is. And yeah, for phosphorescence, I actually haven't had a chance to read it, but it's on my wish list. It um, just looks incredible. Yeah, it really does. Has anyone else had the chance to actually read Dictionary of Lost Words or Phosphorescence? Sam, I, I, have you had the chance to, to check that out yet? 
No, but, you know, it keeps coming up. Like, since it was published, <laughs> it keeps winning awards and readers' choices and it just keeps going and going um, that I kind of think I really should now. Yeah, me too. We, I recently bought a copy of it and I really wanted – I've been meaning to, to grab a copy, uh, like actually sit down and read it for a while, um, but yeah. I haven't had the chance. Arthur, have you – you've picked up Phosphorescence, haven't you? Look, I haven't read it yet. It's um, definitely – on my list of books I want to get around to and hopefully will in the near future. <laughs> there, I was there at the RBS and um, yeah, Julia Baird just gave a really amazing speech, uh, when she won her award. So yeah, I'm definitely going to be digging into that one very soon. I think. Yeah, it was a really, really intense, amazing speech that she gave uh, at that award. But yes, so uh, for everyone listening, be sure to check out those winners. Uh, the Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Williams, Phosphorescence by Julia Baird, and The Grandest Bookshop in the World uh, by Amelia Melnor, who have been selected as the Arbia 2021 Booksellers' Choice winners. So congratulations to them. So we'll now move on to the second part of the podcast where we talk about the books that we have been reading and enjoying over the last uh, couple of weeks. And Arthur, I want to turn to you first. Um, I know that you have, your, every time you come on the podcast, you provide a wild selection of books uh, that you own reading and enjoying. What have you got for us this week? Uh, well, um, so my choice this week was actually inspired by one of our campaigns that we have at the moment. So we've got a campaign running called uh, Books for Excellence. And there's a, there's a section in that um, called Guru's Stories of Excellence. So one of the books that um, I've been actually meaning to read for ages now is That Will Never Work by Mark Randolph. So for those who aren't aware, Mark Randolph is actually one of the co-founders and the very first CEO of Netflix. So uh, he's a personal hero of mine, as you can imagine, given how much I love movies and TV. So um, yeah, so it was very... Um, very excited to actually get around to finally reading this book because um, you know everyone I think everyone is familiar with Netflix at this stage it's you know a, a global behemoth but um, you know it didn't start out that way and this book really explores um, how Netflix came to be you know and not only that it's really just how ideas come to be and how uh, you know an idea that starts out as something can really evolve and take shape there in ways we don't even imagine at the time. Um, so the title itself, though, That Will Never Work, actually comes from um, something that Mark's wife said to him when he was first um, pitching the early ideas of Netflix. So again, my, a lot of people might not know this, but um, because when Netflix finally launched in Australia, it was um, as a streaming service. But when Netflix originally um, launched, it was a it was a rental, um, a DVD rental service in America. So, um, yeah, the, and the original conception of that came from um, one of the the other co-founder, Reed Hastings, who had to return a VHS um, uh, tape that, that came back late. Um, he was charged a $40 late fee from the Blockbuster store that he went to. Um, you know, and that's obviously where the, he sort of thought about, oh, there must be a better way to do this. So then they sort of experimented with, the possibility um, of doing VHS tapes by mail, um, which then they then soon quickly discovered that that would actually be a very very costly enterprise for them. So, <laughs> luckily, there was luckily in the um, later half of the nineties, a lovely new medium was coming into place um, uh, that we now know as DVDs, and uh, that that sort of 
became a much more um, profitable way to, 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 you know, go with the idea of doing the uh, mail rental service. And basically that took off from, you know, through a lot of hard work, a lot of um, partnerships and eventually evolved into, um, you know, a company that not only, um, you know, would change the way people consumed um, rentals, but then actually took on and, and went on to defeat the, you know, the, the major player in the market in the US, the Blockbuster. Um, at the time, they were actually, at one point, they were trying to get themselves sold to Blockbuster and Blockbuster weren't interested. Um, and then <laughs> now, now, now Blockbuster is virtually non-existent and Netflix is one of the biggest brands worldwide. So it just goes to show you. <laughs> but um, yeah, wow. I mean, beyond, beyond, the, beyond being a biography of the Netflix story, it really, uh, Mark really just, you know, uh, is going through a story of how, um, you know, you should, if you have a really good idea and people tell you that it's not going to work or, you know, that, that, you know, that's not going to work, pan out for you, that, you know, you should, you should still go for it. You know, it's worth, mm. it's worth taking that risk. If you really believe in it, it's really worth taking that risk. It's a very inspirational, um, you know, that he actually, I mean, I suppose if you have the money to back it, that helps too, but <laughs> it's really good that um, even though a lot of people kept telling him, no, no, this will never work. That can't happen. And, you know, he persevered and basically he is, he founded a company that changed the way, completely changed the way we consume entertainment today. Um, you know, streaming, it's very rare to find a household who doesn't have at least one streaming service. It's incredible. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's also a good example of of adapting to the times as well. Does he does he does he t- cover that a bit? Because I'm assuming that like one of the big failings of 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 blockbuster, and then one and conversely one of the big successes of Netflix is the fact that they saw an that Netflix saw an audience and just tried to adapt to where that audience was going. Is it does he kind of talk yeah. about that, or is it just like yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. Because I mean. Th- the thing that they saw was they saw the, the reason they even wanted to get into the venture was they saw the success that Jeff Bezos had and they knew e-commerce was the way of the future. This was in, this was in the late nineties, mind you, when there weren't that many websites around, but they knew they, they said e-commerce is a big thing. This is going to really be, um, you know, online, online is the way to go. And yeah. I don't think Blockbuster really had that foresight and vision by the time um, by the time Netflix was changing the way the way um, people were consuming their entertainment, Blockbuster had just fallen right behind, and uh, that was how they were in, able to eventually end up overtaking them. And and it's just it was one of those things where they just knew um, they just were able to capitalize on things at the right time. Like they got into DVDs very early on, when um, which he goes into into the book that they were able to get onto DVDs very early on when um, most people weren't even aware of the medium um, and there weren't a lot of DVD titles to begin with. And um, yeah, a lot of hard work that went into getting to the point where they got to. It's really an impressive story. Yeah, it sounds like an amazing book. I like. I really want to check that out now. I'm not, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really go for like your kind of business story books, but that sounds amazing. No, it's really good. Um, yeah, as I said, it's a it's a really great. They have, the story of Netflix is a really great story, just in the fact that, um, as I said, they've completely changed the way entertainment is consumed, and just the thought that it might not have even came to be if if he had listened to the naysayers who who told him not to go for it is um, 
it's amazing. It just goes to show you, it's, it's just, if you have an idea out there that you really believe in, um, you should pursue it. That was my key takeaway from the book. Which is a good lesson that you can apply to anything. What an amazing recommendation. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Arthur. No worries. Um, we'll now move on to Lara, uh, our, who is uh, here for the first time recommending books. And I'm really curious to hear about what you have been reading. Um, what have you been enjoying over the last few months? I actually just finished a book that I heard about from this podcast um, <laughs> last I listened to an episode with Arthur recently and he had just finished The Happiest Man on Earth by Eddie Jacou. Um, and I've just finished that myself and he absolutely did it justice. It is an incredible book. It's so inspiring. It's um, a very confronting personal recount of uh, time in concentration camps during World War II. Um, from a Jewish, a German Jewish man. And I, look, I can't say much more than Arthur said, but it was amazing. I definitely recommend. I actually listened to the audio book and it was beautiful as well. Um, just hearing it sound, it made it very personal. Um, he says throughout the book a lot, my friend, and it just really sucked me in. I feel like he is my friend now. Um, <laughs> And then the <laughs> the other book that I'm uh, I'm about halfway through is The Last Migration by Charlotte McConaughey, which was oh, actually yes. given to me by Liv Frico, um, and I am absolutely loving it. I am an, a nature lover myself, um, and I have very real concerns about climate change and the the decline of native native animal populations across the world. Um, and this sort of dives into that. This talks about um, the decline of wild animals, almost to the point of extinction. Um, but at the same time, it's a really compelling personal story about the main character, Franny, who um, is a scientist and a researcher, and she boards this boat to try and follow a flock of wild birds um, and it's really got a little bit of mystery to it. So like I said, I'm about halfway through um, and it really, I'm still guessing what's gonna happen. Um, you know, there's questions about her past and her personal life and um, about the crew of the boat that she's just boarded on a whim. Um, and I'm really, really interested to see where it goes. I keep messaging Liv and thankfully she won't give it away, but I keep messaging saying, is this person really this or are they or what's going to happen here so it's definitely drawing me in <laughs> yeah I've, she's really tapped into something hasn't she um because we, we're actually about yeah. to we're actually about to do a podcast with charlotte on her next book um that's coming up that's set for release uh, once there were wolves um and which yeah which comes like which it actually covers very similar she's really kind of got that this climate fiction Thing really nailed down uh, really it, it's I've heard yeah. so many good things about this book yeah um there's it actually it might sound a bit silly but when I first started reading it I it almost made me second guess she writes it in such a realistic and relatable way that I was like hang on is this written in current time like has this population actually <laughs> declined to this point of 
the last migration of their the brink of extinction and then I was like no we're not there yet <laughs> we in in reality have the chance to turn it around somewhat but um it really really does um get you thinking about that sort of it's it's really um I think that's really special for a fiction book to make you walk away and think about the reality of the time that we're in and and that do affect us um rather than just it's very relatable. Um, amazing, amazing recommendations, Laura. Thank you so much. That's, uh, I think that's, that, that, there have been two very, very popular books in the office and also with the broader public. So I am, yeah. If anyone hasn't read The Happiest Man on Earth or The Last Migrations, it also is called Migrations as well. Um, please, please, please go and check them out. Thank you so much, Laura. Um, we'll now dive into our final recommendations uh, for the week and I'm going to now throw to you, Sam. Uh, what have you been enjoying over the last few weeks? So this is actually really funny because I am also reading Migrations as well. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and honestly, I have to agree with everything Lara has said. Um, I think I've, I've been wanting to read this book since it first came out when it was first published in Australia as The Last Migration because um, I was really, yeah, really fascinated by, you know, this idea of climate um, climate sort of based fiction where the, the external conflict or part of the external conflict is um, related to climate change or, you know, the the imminent extinction of a of a species. And I think that mm. it's not normally the type of book that, that I read, um, but Charlotte just writes in a very, very beautiful way, but a very also very a descriptive and relatable way as well. Um, I'm just I'm so joined in by it. I'm only a few chapters in, but I'm finding it a really like very readable book, if that makes sense. It just draws you, it just draws you in, and you, you, I sort of find myself just getting through the chapters much faster than I than I thought I would. Um, and yeah, I think the characters are fascinating. I was about to say, I think that's the first time we've ever had a double recommendation, like people recommending mm. and reading the same book. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a really good one. It, that's just <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. And I'm actually, I'm super keen. Once I finish this one, then I'm going to move on to Once We Were Wolves as well. Um, I think she's definitely someone to watch as an author, um, just in just in what she talks about and um, her style of writing. And, yeah, I think she's definitely cornered the market on climate change fiction um but yeah it's just it's just absolutely beautiful uh so we'll, I'll, I'll check in with you lara next week because i'm hoping to, yes. to read a bit more of it over the weekend um but yeah definitely definitely recommend that one i've been trying to recommend it to my friends as well um the other book that i recently finished was also a recommendation to me uh from a friend of mine um it's the secret place by tana french it's a crime novel um, it's in a series. It's not the first one in a series, but um, you don't need to have read any other books in the series to to sort of pick this one up. I, you know, found it was just as easy to read as a standalone. Um, and yeah, it's it's really interesting in in the way it's written. It takes place in Dublin at a all girls private school where they have boarders, um, and a, a boy from a neighbouring school. Um, is found dead on the property and it's the story of how this cold case um, gets new information and they try to solve this murder 
And it's fascinating because the chapters sort of alternate between what happened in the past and you start to see this group of girls and how they interacted with each other and with this boy and the other boys from his school or other girls. Um, and the author, Tana, she, every now and then she'll write, you know, um, uh, he, you know, Christopher has three months left to live. So you can sort of see um, as he gets closer to the murder. And then the other chapters are from the perspective of Detective Stephen, who's teamed up with Detective Antoinette Conway, who I love as a character. She's very tough and prickly and just very capable. So I really appreciate her. Um, and they go to this school and all of their chapters take place in one day. They are just at this school solving this crime in the one day, just interviewing the girls and finding more um, holes in people's stories or evidence that they, that you know, wasn't there before um, or wasn't found before. And I thought I was just so impressed by the fact that the author was able to tell this story in one day. Um, it's a lot of work to fill that space with interesting, relevant writing and not make it feel repetitive. And I think she was incredibly successful in that. And you start to get a sense of the time crunch as well because they can't leave until it's solved or um, they're worried that the, that the, they'll lose the evidence and they'll lose the chance to catch the, the killer. So I was, I was very impressed. Not my normal genre. No, I was about to say that sounds that sounds amazing and very different from from what you normally go for. I anticipate it's it's a movie, it's a, a a book rather that is filled with a hell of a lot of dread because you're just heading towards that that end point where this character you know this character is going to die, which is. Mm. But it's fascinating because you know he's going to die, so you're looking for clues, you know, in people's behaviour and what they say um, as to who the killer could be. And I didn't pick it, um, so I was impressed by that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I love I love Criminal Minds. I love crime procedural TV shows. So it's it's almost maybe it's odd that I don't read as much crime. But I think if it's recommended to me or it's the right, you know, the the, the blurb or the premise intrigues me, I'll read it. I just it's not something I normally seek out. So yeah, it was recommended to a friend. We were supposed to read it. We were supposed to talk about it in our book club on Sunday, which has now been cancelled. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, it's, it's still a great read, which it's fine. My, some of my friends are still reading it, <laughs> so they need more time anyway. Um, you, have to, you have to do some sort of online book club to talk about it because it sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and I definitely want to read more of this author. Um, I was just, yeah, very impressed with the way she – it's almost a writing challenge. How can I tell a story of a crime being solved that takes place in a single day? Um, mm, that sounds amazing. I'm yeah. – God damn it! Another one to be added, but to be to be added to my to my to be read pile. <laughs> damn it! Thank you so much, Sam. That is an amazing recommendation and great. Thank you to all of you guys. What great books this week! I love it. I'm have to check it out. A, a very wide variety um, of books to check out. So before we head on to our final section of the podcast, we are in fact sponsored this week uh, by a uh, by a selection of books which we recommend you check out. Do you, uh, um, do you like yourself a little bit of award-winning crime? Do you need an itch that needs to be scratched? Well, here at Booktopia, we have the itch for you. We are offering three books in Jeffrey McLeachin's Charlie Berlin series, The Digger's Rest Hotel, Black Wattle Creek, and St. Kilda Blues for one great bundle price. Three crime novels, 
one great price of $35.95, which is 30% off the normal price. Head to our link in the description and get ready to bury yourself in a world of great Australian crime. That is Jeffrey McLeishan's Charlie Berlin series. Our sponsored books for this week's episode of The Weekend Booktopian. All right, we are into the final section of the show, and you know what that means, everybody. It is time for Book Fight. <laughs> so as we always do, we will be starting off with buzzers, and I will require a buzzer from each of you. Sam, what shall your buzzer be? Um, let's go with Detective. Detective? Oh, yes. I love this. And it leans so, leans so well into the actual forthcoming quiz. How exciting. Um, Arthur, what shall yours be? I'll go with Netflix. <laughs> Netflix, yes, please. And Lara, what shall yours be? I will go with Bird. Bird, yes, please. Nice theme to migrations right there. I like it. All right, so we are now ready. We have our buzzers. Let's dive into the world of book fight. Question one. Who was the winner of the Adult Fiction Book of the Year at the 2021 ABA Booksellers Awards? Oh, oh! I think I heard a bird first. I, heard, I think I heard bird over detective. So I'm going to go with bird. Sorry, Lara. Yes, you go. Um, I can't think of it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, give me a second. We just talked about it. That's um, yeah. That's why I threw it in. <laughs> we just talked about. It. I just announced it. Um, the the book, the, the dictionary of lost words. Yes, that is correct. The dictionary of lost <laughs> words. Very good. One and Lara is on the board. Yay! One point to Lara. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Question two: Which Australian crime author? has recently been nominated for the CWA Steel Dagger for 2021. Ooh. Yes. This, Detective? Yep. Michael Robotham? Yes, you are correct. It is Michael Robotham who got... <laughs> You did well. No, you did well. Yes, he was nominated for when she was <laughs> nominated for when she was good, and he's actually got a, a book mm. coming out next I think yeah. next week, which is When You Are Mine, um, which we we had yeah. recently had him in the office to sign copies of it pre the Sydney going uh, going back into restrictions. So it's uh, we're really excited, and hopefully he pulls through and wins the Steel Dagger. Question three: Fill in the blanks of this William Shakespeare quote. All the world's a stage and all the blank and blank merely blank. Detective? Yep. All the world's a stage and all the people in it merely players? Mm, I'll give you, I'll give you, you have one, oh. which is the players. I'll give you, I'll give you like, actually we'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll do three points for this one. So you got players, yes. Yep, bird. Okay. All the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players? Yes, that is the correct quote. I will give you that. Nice. So we'll get we'll give I'll you. I'll take you, Sam. I wouldn't have got it if you hadn't. <laughs> which, is why you both, which is why you both get points for that one. So very well done. Um, yes, all, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players is the full quote. Question four, and leading on from that, for a bonus point, can you name the Shakespeare play where that quote comes from? 
Silence. Ooh. Uh, um, and no Googling because I don't have okay. the... <laughs> yes? Is it much ado about nothing? No, it is not much ado about nothing. No. <laughs> but you're in the... Like, it is a comedy. It's a comedy one, so you're in the right genre. It is, but it is not uh, much ado about nothing. Um... Arthur, do you want to have a crack? <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> it's, it's not my strong suit. I was going to say, does even is, it, is there one called Taming of the Shrew? There is one called Taming of the Shrew, but that's not it, unfortunately. Mm. What's another comedy that he did? <laughs> Are you tapping the table? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking. <laughs> Does everyone want to have one guess, or yeah, or yeah? Does everyone everyone want to have a guess? We can see if we get it. Um, there is another comedy. There's another famous comedy. There is another a very. Um, it is a very famous comedy. Uh, I'm blanking. Do we give up? I'm, I'm we give up. The tragedy yeah. Um, Lara, do you want to have a go? Um, <laughs> no, I don't. The answer I, I would have accepted as well. <laughs> no, it's not Tammy the Shrew, unfortunately. <laughs> but the answer I would have accepted was "as you like it" would have been the answer. Oh, to you the, like it. As you like it, which is uh, one of the more popular uh, William Shakespeare comedies. Um, yeah, as well. Sure. So we now have hit the halfway point of book fight currently. Lara is on three points. Sam is on two. Arthur is yet to score, but do not worry. We have plenty of you have plenty of time to come back and win it, Arthur. So, question five: Who is literature's most adapted character? Detective. Oh, detective. Is it Dracula? No, it is not Dracula. No, it is not. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Yep. Is it, is it um, uh, Sherlock Holmes? It is Sherlock Holmes. That is the correct answer. Yes, it is Sherlock Holmes. And it was why, which is why when you said detective, I was like, oh, she's nearly got it. She's nearly got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sort of Dracula because I read the other day that it's now in the public domain. Um, oh, yes. But I think um, Sherlock, there's just been so many Sherlock adaptions. Um you know, books and TVs and movies and more and more. And, you know. Yeah. As, um, at, at, last, yeah. at last count, Sherlock Holmes has been adapted 254 times, which is a ridiculous amount of adaptations. So, yes. Um, well done, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Question six. No, that's it. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question six. <clears throat> By which names are Cura, Ellis, and Acton Bell now better known? So these are pen names for famous people. Who, by which names are Cura, Ellis, and Acton Bell now um, better known? Her. Yes. Are they the? Is that the Bronte sisters? You would be absolutely correct. It is the Bronte <laughs> sisters. Wow. Yes. So yes, Charlotte, Emily, and Anne Bronte. They chose androgynous pen names because they suspected, quite rightly, as it turns out, that books by women would not be given fair treatment by publishers and the public. So, yeah. Um, 
Question seven, our penultimate question in this uh, book fight. In C.S. Lewis's The Lion, The Witch and The Wardrobe, what was the enchanted dessert that the White Witch gave to Edmund? Um, bird. Bird. Bird, yep. It was... Turkish Delight? You are absolutely correct. It is, in fact, Turkish Delight. Yes. Well done. Like Thank a- you. I nearly said coconut ice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. It is, in fact, Turkish Delight that, uh, that the White Witch gave to Edmund. Um, so now that brings us on to our final question. And for this question, we are going to suspend the buzzer completely. I want you to throw out the answers willy-nilly. Um, currently, Sam is on three points. Lara is on five. Arthur is yet to score. But don't worry, Arthur. If you actually are fast enough, you can actually still win. So, for the final question, name all of the titles in the Harry Potter book series. Oh my goodness. Look, I think I think Sam beat Philosopher's St- got Philosopher's Stone, but then after that Lara just completely cleaned out. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was so fast. Oh my jeez. Okay. <laughs> Look, I just wanted to see what the reaction would be and just see how how everyone would just go crazy. <laughs> Oh, dear. (laughs) But that brings us to the end of Book Fight for this week. Let's have a look at the scores, and oh, my goodness gracious me. Arthur, I'm really sorry you finished with zero points. Um, (laughs) Standard. (laughs) Participation award is always important. Um, Sam, you finished with a respectable four points. Lara, just you cleaned up at the end. Congratulations. You win your first episode of Book Fight. Yeah, and at least you can now say that you have a 100% success ra- uh, ratio when it comes to book fight because they don't come al- the wins yes. do not come along very often. So enjoy them when you can. I'm sorry, I won't be able to come on the weekend booktopian ever again. <laughs> I can't risk <laughs> <in> my title. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> oh dear. Well, yeah. Look, it, it'll it'll uh, it'll annoy Liv no end to know that she's not won every single episode. Uh, that she has ever participated in, <laughs> but you have. So, sorry, Liv. Um, but unfortunately, that brings us to the end of the weekend, Booktopian, for another week. Thanks to all of my guests, Sam, Arthur, and Laura, for joining us. And be sure to check out all of the books that we have mentioned today down in the description box. The Weekend Booktopian was produced by myself, Nick Wasiliev, and you can check out hundreds of episodes on our Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud channels, including our recent interview with Rhiannon Wilde, the author of Henry Hamlet's Heart. Also, be sure to check out Booktopia TV on YouTube, or if you cannot get enough of chatting to authors, head to the Booktopian blog, created by Olivia Frigo, where you can read the articles pushed every single day, including our recent post about all things trending on BookTok. Thanks for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, 
head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.